the the level of sacrifice and action that you're really willing to take is a huge makes a huge difference you know people can talk a big game and say they want to do something and and put a little bit of effort in tip, put their tippy toes in and uh and do just enough but i think people definitely underestimate the level of of effort and energy that you do need to put in at the start specifically because that is where you need to break a lot of ground you've got to build a reputation you've got to get yourself out there you're juggling every single hat in the business how do you get 10,000 people to take a step to the left what's behind the relentless mindset of a world champion why do teams of exceptional talent fail how do you manage the pressure to perform? These are just some of the curious questions we will attempt to answer as we bring you world leaders, curious minds, exceptional talent, successful CEOs, and incredible human beings who know how to inspire great leaders and are inspiring great leaders themselves. I am Craig Johns, high-performance leadership expert international speaker and CEO of Speakers Institute Corporate and World Sport Coach. This is the Inspiring Great Leaders podcast with ordinary don't belong. Welcome to the Inspiring Great Leaders podcast. Our guests today are the exceptional minds behind relentless education are dedicated to empowering entrepreneurs and pack a real punch when it comes to running multi-million dollar enterprises. Andy is a TV and podcast host, WBFF pro athlete, that's bodybuilding for those who are unsure, internationally published author and renowned business coach and entrepreneur. He built Ultimate U Change Center from the ground up in Melbourne and now has 28 centers across Australia. In his spare time, he is the CEO and founder of Change Labs. Matt is an accomplished coach and mentor with expertise in building and growing online businesses. He has a passion for helping coaches and online service-based entrepreneurs and has dedicated his career to teaching people how to build the business of their dreams. Combined together, they have masterminded the business Relentless Education, where they empower coaches, consultants, and service-based entrepreneurs to achieve six-figure monthly revenue. I have the pleasure of presenting to you a dynamic duo that love talking about conquering fears, overcoming limitations, and turning failures into stepping stones for success. On the Relentless Education Podcast, Andy Anderson and Matt Lavaz. Andy and Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, mate. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you, Craig. Absolute pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's good fun. Uh, so, Andy, a uh, question for you. Wh where did you grow up and what was the big dream when you were a little fella? Yeah, great question. I grew up in Ballarat, so uh, just out of Victoria in a, a country town. The big dream when I was growing up was to be a rock star. I was into music. I loved playing music. I was in a band and uh, and, and wanted to tour the globe playing music, living the, living the rock star lifestyle. So that was the dream. Were you the front man or were you the guy at the back with the drums or the tambourine? No, 
not talented enough to be the to be the drummer. I was the front man. I used to write the songs, sing, play guitar. Um, my best mate was on the drums, who who DK, who now is an actual real rock star, playing all over Australia with some of the biggest bands in the world, which is great. But um, but yeah, look, it was a, it was a lot of fun growing up for sure. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And what type of music? Rock and roll. Rock yeah, and roll. Rock, rock, pop, pop, punk. You know, we went through our phases. We evolved. We were in a band for like probably um, yeah eight eight nine years or so. So we you know we evolved as music musicians and uh, our taste changed, but it was always pretty consistent with like the the rock heavy rock style. Yeah, yeah. I just need to say that I didn't know this. There you go. Well, look, I did. I, this, is, know, this is fantastic. I'm having such a good time here. I'm thinking, no way. You were a rock star. <laughs> Uh, I was a rock star Craig, in my thank you so much for asking this question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I get paid to bring out the, the tough questions first up, and it oh, uh, no, looks like no, we've no, hit the mark. <laughs> so, Jimmy Barnes, Midnight All, um, ACDC, all of Classics the above. For Classics for sure. Yeah, great. You can't say you can't say no to those guys. Yeah, yeah awesome, awesome. And, and Matt, what's your what's your favorite band? Um, I I would say. For me, it's probably more about electronic music. I'm like, I, I like listening to, you know, like 80s and 90s kind of pop rock and stuff like that, but I'm not anyone that's ever kind of become overly obsessed about that type of stuff. Um, I'm more into underground electronic music. I like techno music and uh, um, I've always a massive trance fan for anyone that listens to electronic music in like the 90s or the yeah. 2000s. Um, I grew up going to um, big like warehouse raves when I was 18, 19, 20, and I, I really, really loved that type of culture. So for me, it was always electronic music. And still now, I still listen to it, but because I'm 38 and I've got two kids, my raving days and my clubbing days are like well over and I'm <laughs> never going back. <laughs> I had a friend reach out to me the other day and ask me if I wanted to come to a rave. And I'm like, man, I got children. You know, I, I want to go to bed by like 8 9 p.m but um yeah for me it's electronic i still listen to it now i love it uh, i think your uh, your children's birthday parties you, you bring over andy right. and you can bring his rock band and, and you can yeah. create the mosh pit there matt <laughs> that's right so where did you grow up matt and and what was the big dream for you interestingly um for me so i grew up in geelong so it's one of the things andy and i uh, kind of like about each other is we both kind of grew up similar areas. We didn't know each other, but grew up in like country Victoria. We're kind of, we always laugh and say we're, we're like, you know, inner bogans, but I, I grew up in Geelong. And um, for me, I wanted to be a DJ. You know, I remember when I was 16, I was a really rebellious kid. I got into drugs too early. Um, just trying to like find myself in the wrong crowds and stuff like that. Um, really angry. And um, didn't like school, never liked school at all. Um, never really gelled with any of my teachers. I think I was one of those kids that questioned things too much. I would always be like, why are we learning this? You know, and, and I never got a good response to asking those questions. And I remember I did a test that said, uh, it was one of those tests that was like, you know, what career should you do when you grow up? And, and I remember there was just nothing on that career list that I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a, a plumber or, a, or a, a doctor or anything like that. Um, and I said, I want to be a DJ. And I remember the teacher said to me, she said, we can't, you can't do that. And so I, I left school and I bought turntables and I became a DJ. And I did that whilst washing the dishes at pubs for $10 an hour, smelling, smelling horribly. Um, and that was kind of, in a way, it was like 
I look back now and I and I can recognize it was like the the beginning of my entrepreneurial kind of journey. I never wanted to go down the mainstream path of education or go down the mainstream path of really anything. I thought, well, if I'm if I want to do it, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find a way, and I'm not gonna listen to the people that aren't gonna tell me. Um, I think I made a lot of mistakes down that path as well, mainly because of drugs. But you know, it was the beginning of my first business in a way. You know, uh, doing doing something that I love. I like that. I'm just gonna test something here. So, Andy, did you finish um, high school? No, I did not. No. Okay, good. All right. So it's fascinating, right? So you, you both run education company. Um, Sam, who we're talking about offline, Sam Cawthon, my business partner, I both failed English, but here we are. We run a communications company and you both run a entrepreneurial education company. Isn't that fascinating? Mm, Massively. Well, you know, Andy and I have spoken about this a lot. We have a bit of a theory that 80 to 90% of our um, members have a, ver- a, a level of ADHD or a some somewhat on the spectrum. Mm. Um, and, and I have a bit of a theory that that kind of lends people to become kind of more entrepreneurial as well because that they didn't fit in the mold, you know, schooling now is a lot changing. You know, I've got uh, one of my best friends has got a son with autism and he has so much support in the school. Like it's just, ama- they make him feel so good. Mm. But for us, you know, we didn't, you didn't even really know what that was really, you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't really that much of a conversation. And so I think that the outliers of education, we're not dumb. And I think that was a big mistake. Mm. A lot of people think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm dumb because I didn't succeed. It's more that I think the system couldn't tailor it well enough to us. And then now we've built our own to tailor it to those people that needed that extra help. And I think it's you know, what you guys do and what we do and what so many other people do. It's just, I think it's why people, these organizations become so successful because people don't want to go down the, the middle path. They, they, they want something different. Yeah, I, I talk about we talk about with our team a lot that because uh, I talk about sense of belonging, you know, what creates culture, what brings people together. And we always talk about that for us, we are the happy place for the misfits of the world. Mm. And, and it sounds like you're very much the same where you're able to attract those that think differently, that um, yeah. that extremely creative, but don't really fit into that mold and, and kind of live in a different live in a world where when they have conversations with kind of the general public or, or other people, they they feel awkward because people don't quite understand what they do and how they've got there in their own little world. Um, so it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating world we play in. Well said. Which is good. Now, you've you left high schools, you're, you're making inroads, uh, you know, Andy, obviously you're making inroads there into your, your musical career, but you, you make a shift. Uh, for you, you, how did you end up in bodybuilding? Yeah, so look, I, I left school early. I became a chippy, went into building, didn't know what I wanted to do except play music. So I thought, look, I'm not great at school. I'm causing a lot of trouble. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna make some money. My my father died when I was 15, so I needed to bring some income into the to the home and take care of my mom and my little brothers. So best thing for me to do was leave school. Did that, went off and became a chippy. That was a great journey. Learned learned a lot of great skills that I utilized later on. Um, but I, I knew I was meant for more. I just had this feeling inside that it wasn't enough. Um, I'd often go to work and just look around. And, and again, I, I love tradies. A lot of my best mates are tradies. I, I, I learned a lot from the trade. But I was looking around thinking to myself, you know, there's got to be more to life than this for me. You had, a, you know, a lot of the old boys were coming in, complaining about the misses, complaining about this, that, hungover, just really unhappy. And I was thinking... 
no, I'm, I need something something bigger than this. I need to I need to leave the trade and and go off and explore something that's going to really light me up every single day. And so at that stage, I was losing a lot of weight. I was training and I was really passionate about health and fitness. So I decided to to jump into being a personal trainer and I left the trade, did my certs, became a, a personal trainer and uh, got a gig in, in Melbourne at um, Big Fitness First in, in Melbourne and became one of the top trainers out of about 40 trainers there. So I was super competitive, really, really learned my skills in, in business and sales as a, as a PT. And, uh, and from there, I, again, got, got sick and tired of, of the norm and knew that I could go out there and do something bigger and better. And so I, uh, I, I decided that I wanted to go out and, and be an entrepreneur and, and build my own gym and, and build my own business. So from that, from that point, I went out and I launched a bunch of boot camps around Melbourne. We had about uh, six, seven locations really filled those up. They started to pump, but it was so seasonal. Like, as you know, in Melbourne, the, the weather is horrific, absolutely terrible. Hence why I moved to Gold Coast. Same with Maddie. We uh, we got got the hell out of it very quickly. <laughs> you got the pass, you got the leave pass. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the weather was seasonal and, and winter was shocking for business. Summer was great, but we needed that consistency. And I had a a really clear vision of the sort of concept that I wanted to create back then, which was a combination of mindset, psychology, nutrition and training, really community focused. And although that sounds pretty common back then, you know, no one was really doing mindset the way that we were doing it. No one really integrated personal development the way that we integrated it. And so, you know, I, uh, I went out, figured out how to raise capital, raised about half a million dollars, got a, a location in South Bank, and uh, we launched our first gym and that, that was Ultimate U and sort of grew it from, from one location to 18 locations and uh, then continued my, my entrepreneurial journey from there. So, so for you, was it like a deep burning desire to overcome and kind of prove people wrong, like a bit of an angry mindset or was it more to this that real curiosity of I'm seeing things happen in the world, there's got to be a better way. Look, a bit of both for sure. It's a combination and I think it's pretty unhealthy just to be in one of those categories all of the time. You've got to be super curious and passionate, but you've got to have a little bit of grit and, and, a, and a little bit of anger. I, was, I, I definitely had a little bit of anger that, that drove me. Um, if anyone doubted me, I used it as fuel and still to this day, it's one of my greatest greatest fuels when I when I know someone doesn't fully believe the vision or they don't, they don't think I'm capable, they don't think I can pull something off. I just, I put that in there, I put that in here and I, and I use that to push me through those those challenging moments and take me to new heights and levels. So I think both are really great um, elements of inspiration and motivation for sure. And uh, I've used both equally as powerful over my time. You always find the most successful people in the world generally have some fire, some fuel burning in their belly, something deep inside that, you know, when they trigger really sparks them up and you know, you look at someone, I remember having, being in conversations with Lance Armstrong around an event we were going to run as a, a man versus man, like a one-on-one -on -one type event. And that guy, is, like he's just so fueled from his younger days and then obviously the cancer thing that he just like, there was nothing going to stop him. And and obviously he, he went to a point where, and we find this quite often, right? Where they'll go to a point where they go, unless someone puts boundaries in place, man, they just keep going. Like, and there's nothing, nothing in the world that is off limits, so to speak, when it goes to, I'm going to prove everything wrong. Yeah, every everyone that I can do it type thing. 
Oh, sure. No, I completely agree. I think you got to have that fight within you. And, you know, part of the fight was not having much growing up and wanting a better life for myself, for my mum, for my family, et cetera. And then, you know, the the other fight is really trying to prove the world wrong and, and uh, prove yourself right on that journey to success. Mm, that's good. Matt, were you similar? Like, you know, you talked about the, the drugs and trying to, uh, it, it was kind of a way out for you a little bit. You know, where was the kind of, what was fueling you? And, and when was kind of that, that pivotal moment where you kind of broke out of that and were able to focus in and go, hey, look, this is my direction. This is what I need to do on this planet. Yeah, so for me, um, I guess I got like a pretty common story. Like mom and dad broke up when I was really young. And so I didn't really have like that, that, that uh, my, my dad around. I love my dad now. He's an amazing guy. But it just, you know, I didn't have that, uh, that leadership. My mom did the best that she could, but she was like a single mom of like, you know, three kids and she's got a lot on her plate. And so, you know, I didn't know it as a kid. I know it now. But for me, drugs and everything, it was just an escape. It was just like a way to not deal with stuff. <clears throat> but as a kid... I just thought, you know, uh, I'm cool and I'm doing, you know, what my other friends are doing and just really, uh, I guess, immature to the whole thing and immature to the consequences as well. So mm -hmm. I was in the DJ and partying scene and I never, ever thought of myself as like a drug addict because I'm like, we just party on the weekends. You know, it's not like we're addicted to um, heroin or something like that, you know. But the thing that I saw was that in the circles that I was friends with, I always remember the, you know, we were like, you know, 15, uh, you know, to 18, 20. And then there was the older brothers of our friends and the older brothers were into hard drugs. Like the older brothers were in the banditos, um, you know, bikey gangs and the older brothers were in and out of jail. And, and I remember there was a point when I kind of just, I started to pay attention to that. And I thought, okay, where am I heading? You know, I remember kind of just thinking about it a couple of times. I'm like, where am I heading? You know, because like it, it right now, it's kind of like I'm in this point where I'm like, I'm making mistakes, but, you know, like I got in trouble with the police a bunch of times, but nothing was overly serious. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of was always, the way I thought about it was I was always like one step away from doing something overly stupid, but I never took that step. I never, I never hit a really serious consequence. But I remember thinking to myself, well, where are you going to go? Because if you follow this path, you've kind of got some examples of what it's going to look like if you don't do anything different in 5, 10, 20 years. And um, I had a couple of friends uh, die from drug overdoses. I had some friends when I was 16, I had one of my closest friends commit suicide. Um, and I started to see some stuff that was horrible happen around me. And I remember, um, I don't know if it was a moment or if it was a series of moments, but the question was like, is this the future that you want? And I remember just thinking a really strong, like, no, this isn't it. Um, I remember looking at my, uh, most of my friends had uh, broken homes. So I remember looking at that and thinking, that's not what I want. Um, I remember looking at people working jobs that were unhappy. And I remember thinking, that's not what I want. I don't want that. I'm not going to just accept that. Um, weirdly enough, for someone who grew up in Geelong, I don't like sport. You know, like everyone barracks for either Geelong or, you know, and I didn't like cricket. I didn't like sport. My dad's a massive Essendon fan. I never understood it. And so I never also wanted to go to the pub and just live that lifestyle. I never wanted to be the guy who clocks off work, drinks beers and, you know, and that's it. And so to me, I didn't have anything to move towards. I only had stuff to move away from, mm. but that was enough. And I just thought, okay, 
well, what do I want? And initially, like the simplicity of my decision-making was not that. So I need to find something else. Um, and then I was really blessed multiple times to have um, mentors that I met mainly through work. So I remember I had a, I got a job selling Foxtel and um, I'm the, the, the person who was my boss, her name was Kath. She was an older lady. Like I remember I would have been like 22. She's probably like 65. And um, she didn't even own a television, which I thought was awesome because she sold TV, but she dressed impeccably and she was a great salesperson. She was like the number one salesperson. And she would teach me things like about self-respect through dress and through communication. Um, and then I remember what I actually became a personal trainer, similar to Andy. And I had another boss there. His name was Bill. Um, and he was this big Samoan guy and he was such a strong guy, but he was the kindest soul. And to, he kind of taught me again about like respect. Like you don't have to fight for everything. You can just be, you can have calm certainty and calm leadership. And really it was a journey of th mainly through employment that I just met person after person after person um, until probably like a lot of people, I watched a Tony Robbins video. I don't know how many people I've heard tell the story that includes, and then I saw a Tony Robbins video, <laughs> but I saw a Tony Robbins video and I'm like, who is this guy? And to me, he was just the next level of like, okay, these people have something that I don't have. And I just remember thinking, well, I need to listen to them. That was my simple decision-making. They have stuff I don't have. They have a happiness that I don't have. They have a purpose that I don't have. They have a quality of life in fulfillment that I don't have. So I'm just going to listen to them. I'm going to spend time with them. And I think one of the hardest things for me was to stop spending time with people that weren't moving in the same direction as me. I found that very, very hard. Um, I still love everyone that I've spent time with, but I very much had to disconnect from a lot of people because, um, they, and I know people that have never changed, you know, that, that, that they, and it's bad for them now because they're adults. Um, but yeah, it was really, it really became a curiosity of personal development, which then probably became like a healthy addiction, um, mm -hmm. to just surround myself with messages of growth. And for me as a kid that never really liked school, I started loving the feeling of empowerment because I thought, wow, education is the answer to all of my problems. If I can learn stuff, then I can change things. And to me, that was just like a revelation. And, you know, it's still, it's part of the reason that Andy and I have the company that we have now, because we just believe so strongly in anyone being able to change their situation through learning some new skills that they don't have access to. Mm, I love that. Love that. You're dealing with a lot of entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you've seen uh, many others that that may not be directly with you over time. And you know, a lot of people fail when it comes to entrepreneurial um, ventures, etc. You know, they go into it with a lot of passion. We've seen it during COVID. Everyone's gone, "Hey, uh, I'm not sure I like this working for someone else thing. I've got this big passion." And they go off and like, I just want to work for myself because I don't want anyone else telling me what to do or putting boundaries in place. And a lot of them have gone back to working for people again. So for you, Andy, or, and both of you can jump in here whenever you feel right. What is the difference between an entrepreneur that China just gets by compared to those that really thrive? Yeah, look, great question. I think the, the level of sacrifice and action that you're really willing to take is a huge makes a huge difference you know people can talk a big game and say they want to do something and and put a little bit of effort in tip put their tippy toes in and uh and do just enough 
But I think people definitely underestimate the level of, of effort and energy that you do need to put in at the start specifically because that is where you need to break a lot of ground. You've got to build a reputation. You've got to get yourself out there. You're juggling every single hat in the business, not just the speaker or not just the star. You're doing the admin. You're doing the tech. You're doing the. You're working in the CRM. You're prospecting. You're selling. And for a lot of people jumping in the game, not only are you doing those roles, but you're learning those roles. You know, me and Matt are blessed right now because this we, we know the game well after all the years. So we're jumping in and, and we're doing the work, not not really having to learn the work. But in the beginning, you know, I was raising capital. I was learning about money. I was learning how to raise capital. I was learning sales. I was learning marketing. I was building. I was doing all every single thing at the same time and if you do not have the self-belief the energy and the the effort to stay consistent in that phase then you're going to give up it's going to get very overwhelming and uh when you underestimate it it just hits you really hard and and a lot of people don't have the i guess the grit and tenacity to sort of see that phase through so you know as a as an early stage entrepreneur i think you really need to understand that it is uh a journey of consistency. It's a journey of resilience. Um, it's a it's a journey of massive action and effort. And you're learning and applying all the way through that. And it's the the people that stay consistent and don't give up that make it through. And it's the people that get overwhelmed and give up clearly are the ones that go back to working for someone else. So I think you really need to uh, pay attention to those facts as you enter the entrepreneurial game. Mm. Matt, it kind of the vision that has popped into my head then, and it goes back to my childhood watching the Flintstones, is kind of that big boulder where it's really hard to kind of get leverage to get the boulder moving. But once it's moving, you've got to keep it going, right? Entrepreneurship's all about momentum, and you you can't you can't sit back at all and just kind of go, "Hey, that was good. I'm doing really well." Like you can't pull. You, you've got to keep that foot on the accelerator, don't you? For sure. I think um, an unpopular message that people don't want to hear, especially in the beginning, is that it's quite hard to do. Like, um, but but I think it's important just to accept the hard things. You know, Andy and I talk about this a lot. It's okay for something to be hard. It doesn't mean we should avoid it. Um, all the good stuff in life is hard. Um, you know, Craig, you and I were talking about being fathers. You know, I believe parenting is definitely one of the hardest things I've done, for sure. And I think it it will. You know, I've spoken to parents that have 18-year-old kids and 30-year-old kids, and people always tell me, it's like, it doesn't necessarily get easier. The hard just changes from a version of hard into a different version of hard. Mm. But I think if you have a, a mindset where you're okay with hard things, then you can love it and you can love the journey and, you know, you can you can love hard work. So for example... You know, I um I got my I got a wisdom tooth taken out last week, and so it knocked me out. You, this is the first day that this doesn't look like a soccer ball on my face. <laughs> Excuse me. And so last week was tough. I know, and I didn't exercise at all, and I just was really knocked out. Today I went to the gym just before this um uh, before our meeting today, and the workout was really really hard. I didn't really enjoy it too much. I only got about half of it done, but I still got it done. And and I think that's got to be the commitment in um in business it's it's kind of like a how much tolerance do you have for really hard things um uh one of the things that i love about what you guys do um craig in speaking because I'm, I'm a speaker as well and i've i've done all the hard things like i've woken up in the morning and spent an hour reciting lines and i've tried so hard to remove uh, I, I remember what was it i used to um 
like just to remove like idiosyncrasies, mm. like ums and ahs. I used to have a, a rubber band and I'd flick it on my arm every time I said like too much or um or ah. And, you know, I know a lot of people, they just can't be bothered putting in the, you know, three, six months of pain that it takes to remove something. But once you're willing to put in the work, then you get to spend the rest of your life enjoying the fruits of it. And I always say to people, when it comes to entrepreneurship, you have to choose your version of hard. And so for me, I find it hard to run a business sometimes because the, you know, it's just, it's a challenge, but I would, I prefer that hard over the hard of being locked in a corporate job. I don't like with an income. I can't control being forced to go to meetings. I don't want to enjoy being in a culture. I probably can't change too much. That to me would be harder than for example, like a challenge that Andy and I have had recently would, you know, we hired an amazing person for our team and we gave them a bunch of responsibility and then something happened inside their family. We had to let them go. And all of a sudden we've got this massive gaping hole and we've got to solve it within a month and we solved it, but it was hard. Now it doesn't mean we don't like it. It doesn't mean we don't think we're capable of solving it. We're not complaining, but I think the acknowledgement of hard is so important because people say sometimes when even when I say to people in a training, I go, it's hard. I see people's faces go, it's not hard. It's all, you know, it's all enjoyable. I'm like, well, you know, would you say that about giving birth? Do you say giving birth's not hard? <laughs> giving birth's hard. Let's just, you know, obviously none of us here are an expert, but <laughs> I, I have a wife and she will tell you it's hard, but you know, the fruits of that are the, the most joy you'll ever experience through your children. So yeah. mm-hmm. long answer to that question. Andy, how important is it to have that right mindset of rather than I have to do something versus I get to do something? Yeah, great. I love that you said that. I was thinking about that exact phrase yesterday. I think it's really important. Yeah, I think when you're training yourself to do these hard things, as Maddie is highlighting, it serves you at the greatest level to shift your language reframe how you're thinking and feeling about it and definitely approach it with i get to do this you know it's so important as an entrepreneur no one's forcing you to play this game no one's forcing you to get into the arena if you want an easy life if you want to chill guess what if you're in australia this is the best country in the world to live an average life in you've got that you know you've got everyone taking care of you the government's going to be looking after you you're set up so if that's what you want, that's fine. But if you're in the entrepreneurial game and you want to be a speaker, you want to be a coach, you want to run businesses, then showing up with I get to do this every single day, even those challenging moments, even when you're tired, even when everything's going to shit, which happens frequently in business, let's let's you know talk about the reality of it. You get to play that game. You get to have those experiences, good or bad. And, uh, and I think that mindset is crucial to the most successful entrepreneurs in the world. And, and again, maybe one of the points of difference in the in those entrepreneurs that don't succeed is that reframe, is that they don't approach life and, and those challenging moments with I get to. They still unfortunately have that employee mentality where uh, where they feel like everything's an obligation. Hmm. Uh, Matt, you, you spoke about before... Um, oh, he's going to go with this. Uh, you know, around the... Uh, the challenge or, or the hard work that that's required to to get something done. And, you know, we're talking about mindset here of that that shift in thinking from actually. I don't know what I'm going to go over this. All right, so you talk about being a speaker. 
And so, you know, getting up and being a speaker, it's, you become, you're very self-centered to begin with, right? For most speakers, you're very self-centered because you, you're very raw and naked and exposed when you're on stage. It's very different to just having a conversation one-on-one or sitting around the water cooler, so to speak. When you're up on stage, you, you're exposed. So that intentional mindset of, am I saying the right thing? How do I look? What are people thinking? What are they? What if I say something wrong? What if someone believes something different? How am I going to respond? What if I need to go to the bathroom? So that real self-centeredness versus that intention of what's holding you back and how can I help? For you, how was that shift in mindset to to shift around going into that service mindset versus I've got something to share mindset? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think that applies to business and sales and relationships as well. I think that speaking is such a good example of it because it's so magnified. Mm. It's like I always say to people that once you're on stage, um, you have nowhere to hide. People see everything. Mm. They're just watching all of it. And you think you can hide, but you can't. You know, you can't really hide an, an emotion or anything. It's going to come up. And so, yeah, very much I did very much start like that. I think I started like that in business, but also I started like that in life. It was, I think that I wanted to, originally I wanted to be a speaker because I wanted to, to be adored. You know, I wanted people to be like, oh my God, no of us. And, and, I, and I got that for a period of time. But then what I learned is it doesn't mean anything. Nothing changes. You know, it's kind of like, so what after a while? It's like, okay, some people that I don't really know think I'm intelligent. Cool. Um, but nothing changes, nothing happens. And I think in business, it's very, very similar to the conversation around money. It's like money's great, but after a while, you got to ask yourself a question for what purpose? Like, what am I doing with this? You know, I'm not just storing it all up in the bank and going, yeah, or, or let's buy another car. After a while you go, well, do I need three cars? I don't know. Isn't just one car enough or how many shirts do I need? You know, especially when you're like Andy and I, and you just wear black shirts, how many black shirts do you need? And how, how good of the quality can the shirt become? And then you just run out of ideas. You move on to something else. I think the natural progression that's really important is understanding that service is the real juice. It's the real takeaway from everything. It's the thing that should drive you. And I love that the, 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 the world in a way, um, it's like the world has been designed that way where it re- rewards service. So for example, the, the world doesn't reward self-centeredness. So if you're on stage or if you're in business and you're all self-centered, then people aren't going to tune into that. But if you make everything about them, then they will tune into that. And if you put all your bandwidth on the audience or the client in front of you, and if you genuinely want to help them, um, then you will be rewarded for that from their time, from their respect, and probably because they'll pay you and they'll want to do work with you. So for me, it was really a lesson. Like I, I, I heard quotes like, if you take care of enough people's dreams, your dreams will be taken care of. And I thought, yeah, that's great. But then I learned it and it was a different thing to actually experience it and to have the experience of making it about me and then to have the experience of making it about others. And, you know, I, I believe that um, we are, I believe that humanity is, I believe we're all selfish. So I'm a, I'm a, I have a Christian worldview and I believe that um, we're all inherently naturally selfish. And I, I don't know, I think it's pretty easy just to look at the world and kind of see that anyway. 
Um, and I think we have to fight against our natural desire to be selfish and we have to train ourselves to care about others and to put others first. And I think that when we do that in life and when we do that in business, that's the best way to run a business is to do it truly from the, like when Andy and I get together, we think, you know, who are we helping? Who are we serving? What does this person need? What does this person need? How are we going to help this person? You know, we don't get together and just say, you know, how much more money can we make this week? How much more cash can we make? Let's, let's get another five grand out of that person. Let's just get them to buy something. You know, it's, it would be a horrible way to exist versus coming from service. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's like nearly the only way to do well, um, unless you want to be, I guess, a, you know, a, a scammer and someone that eventually has to keep leaving town because everyone works out your true intentions or something like that. <laughs> but, but Andy, we, we've got to be selfish at times too, right? There is, there is a point to be selfish. There's, there's, we do to be service minded. You also need a selfish component, right? You, you're been a bodybuilder. I mean, for you, what do you think, what are the non-negotiables for an entrepreneur in regards to being selfish so they can be that best version of themselves? They can be there and 100% service-minded when they're with, when they need to be for their clients in the business. For sure. Look, I think as an entrepreneur, it's so important that you are taking care of yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically. I mean, those three, three personal pillars you have to be focused on, have goals around, slowly build up and strengthen yourself in those areas. Because if you are weak in those spaces, then inevitably you're going to show up weak in those spaces for others. And so how can you be 100% for your family, for your community, for your clients, if you are not 100% for yourself? I'm sure you've heard that saying before, but it is so freaking true. So, you know, from a mindset perspective, you've always got to be focusing on understanding the world at a higher level, understanding your thinking strategies, understanding why you do what you do. What are your what are your limiting beliefs? What are your barriers? Um, what are the things holding you back? I mean, it's crucial. From an emotional standpoint and spiritual standpoint, you've got to understand your emotions. You have to be able to control your emotions and uh, and work through your emotions. And then from a physical standpoint, you need to be able to live life with energy, zest, vitality, um, entrepreneurial entrepreneurship rather is is I, I always call it um, the, the world's greatest blood sport. It is like being in the UFC. You are a modern day freaking gladiator. Every day you are in the arena fighting. You are cutting down barriers. You are kicking down doors. You are showing up with energy and passion every single day. If you are physically you know, not capable to, to show up like that, you are only going to be achieving a fraction of what you could possibly achieve. It's that simple. So, you know, for me, I've, I've been for a very long time been focused on all of those things. And it's also really important to remember that you, you, you need to rent you, well, you do rent rather, I guess your, your abilities in those areas. You don't just, you know, study a course and do NLP or, you know, go to the gym for a year and all of a sudden you get the privilege of being the best in those areas. It It is not like that. You know, every day you've got to show up and you've got to relearn how to hold yourself um, at a high standard with your mindset. You've got to relearn every single day how to control your emotions. You've got to relearn how to show up with consistency around nutrition, training, and your energy. And so those things are rented. You've got to pay rent, pay your dues every single day. And um, it doesn't matter how good you think you are in those spaces. There are moments where you're going to default to a lower version of yourself. But the better you are at recognizing that and having that self-awareness, the faster you can come back better, stronger, and then show up 
you know, and, and make a better impact in the world for your clients uh, every single day. So I think those those three elements are so, so important to focus on. Matt, I think we just hit uh, the first button of Andy's passion there. He, he kind of come alive then, didn't he? Uh, yeah. I love this. You spoke about limiting beliefs, Andy, and, you know, we hear this a lot and, and people are always like, you know, we, we need to remove your limiting beliefs. My experience is you don't actually remove them, but you, you learn to manage them. And you, why is it so important that people spend that time to understand their limiting beliefs? And, and for those who don't know, maybe explain to them a little bit about what that is. Look, I mean, I think the biggest thing holding people back is the story they're telling themselves every single day. And, you know, it's a combination of values and beliefs and uh, worldview and and media and, and anything else that's sort of seeping into your brain on a, on a daily basis. But if you are living your life, listening to that voice in your head and it's there no matter what, no whether you want it there or you don't want it there, it's freaking there. So you're either going to learn to coach it, teach it and manage it. And, and let it make it follow your agenda or you're going to be like majority of the world and you will be following its agenda, which is influenced by all the things out there that you have no control over. And so it's so important to understand the stories that you're telling yourself, the narratives that are running in the background, um, the way that you view the world and you're paying attention to that and you're starting to control it you're starting to write your own story you are beginning to be that author of your own book of your own movie and if you choose to show up in the world every single day with the intention of crafting shifting molding that journey and that story it will start to flow in your direction in a positive direction and you will show up so freaking differently but if you are unawares to this if you are letting you know the world control uh, your story, your perception, your narrative, then it will only go in the world's direction. And as everyone's probably aware, there are too many uh, negative narratives in the world right now. There are too many negative agendas happening simultaneously. Who freaking knows what direction you're going to go in? But I tell you this much, if you give up and you go down any of those directions, it's not going to be as beautiful, impactful and incredible as your own story in your own narrative so i think we need to just understand that we are in control if we choose to be if we choose to be aware and if we choose to show up every single day with the intention to put in the work to write that story in the way that we deserve to have it written i love that word choice you know mm. you know some people talk about sacrifice but to me it's choices unless you decide that someone can remove your arm or your leg um so to speak uh, you know, that might be a sacrifice, but you still make the decision unless they remove it for you without asking, right? Then you've sacrificed something. Uh, Matt, you've, the, the both of you had really successful entrepreneurial ventures and, and as business people as well. When you come together, what was it like for you to form a partnership and, you know, go into the entrepreneurial space as a team versus being an individual? Well, one of the things that I always say to people when they get excited about going into a partnership with someone is generally I say, don't do it. It's, you know, partnerships are generally a bad idea and they fail way more than they succeed, um, especially because I think most people approach it from the, 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 the stage of their journey of neither people really know their values enough, neither people know mm -hmm. the values of the business they're about to start enough. Neither people know, they don't probably agree on the end point of the business logically enough. 
and they go into a partnership with um, passion and excitement. And I've seen this happen before. All of a sudden, now the business is worth a, a million dollars or a couple million dollars. One person's decided I'm going to do 10% of the work. The other person's decided I'm going to do 90% of the work. And I've had people, you know, where it's like, well, now I have to buy that person out and I've got to pay them, you know, a hundred grand or something like that or whatever. And I don't even know if they really deserve it or friendships fall apart. I've seen it. I've seen it happen over and over again for Andy and I, it was really a blessing. And I think uh, something neither of us really planned for. So we've known each other for about 10, 12 years. Um, so we've been able to, so we've, we've been friends for a long period of time and we've seen each other. I've watched Andy build his gems and I, I came in and um, did some training for him a bunch of different times. And Andy and I've shared uh, same mentors and been to a lot of the same education places together. Um, and so we've kind of just been brothers throughout our entrepreneurial journey. And then it just happened to be that we were both, we both kind of had some free time at the same time. And initially I think it was Andy reached out to me and said, could I help you put together some course content? That's really where it started. And I said, sure, love to, man. It's like anything I can do to help out, you know, a, a mate, someone that I care about. And then that just kind of evolved into, why don't we just start this business together? And uh, when it, when the opportunity came, I just thought this is perfect because to me, the most important thing is, is I know Andy and I know each other's values. We have 10 years of evidence of who we are, of what we stand for. We've seen each other fail and handle it. We've seen each other deal with relationships. Um, so we've got this long-term evidence of who we are. And I think for both of us, that just gives us a whole bunch of trust just to mm -hmm. go, you know, like I, I don't, I don't worry about anything about a decision that's going to be made. Cause I know Andy and I have the same code, which is do the right thing by your brother, by your family, by your friends. We both believe that to our core. And so I just feel so we have so much trust with each other. And I think trust is probably the missing element in any failing organization yeah. is as soon as you start not trusting people, it's like, you know, then you get start sending weird emails, <laughs> you know, dear sir, madame, <laughs> you start lying through email and all that corporate stuff. So yeah, the trust is huge. And then because we have the trust, it really does make it easier because we have two brains, we have two hearts, we have two passions. Um, we uh, uh, don't agree on everything. And I love that because we'll we'll wrestle with things and we'll cool. go, but yeah, how come and why and why this? Um, but the, we, we both have the same compass. We're both heading in the same direction. Um, I reckon Andy's probably twice as ambitious as I am. And I think that's just, it'll probably always be that way. That's just the way that Andy is versus the way that I am. And I love that. You know, I don't feel like I need to be as ambitious. I think there'll be some point where Andy will probably be pulling me along at some point saying, come on, let's do this next thing. And I'll think, all right, let's do it. You know, so I think it's a, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And the most important thing is that we, we have shared values. And I think if you're going to go into business with anyone, try and work out, like, do you guys have the same values? And if you don't know what your values are, do not go into a partnership with someone, just mm -hmm. contract to them. Yeah. For sure. I'll quickly jump in there as well because it's such a good question. We don't normally get asked this question, so I love that you brought it up. But I think what Maddie said about, you know, going through challenging times and seeing the, how we both show up in the worst moments rather than just the best moments is such an important thing that a lot of partnerships do not get to experience or see. And because me and Maddie have been such good mates, best mates for ages, we've helped each other through really challenging moments. We've seen each other both extremely vulnerable and we know how we respond even when we're up against, you know, the worst moments. And so because of that, we can rely on each other that even if 
things get tough and challenging and, and something goes wrong, we know that we're both going to show up with integrity and show up with respect and and both be humble and and help each other first and foremost rather than defaulting to uh, selfishness or, or negativity like a lot of people tend to do if they haven't trained themselves for years and years. And so I think that's one of our unique partnership powers that we have and we've got many but that's definitely one of the most important ones Mm. you know i'd run a couple of entrepreneurial businesses prior to joining with sam and creating speakers institute corporate and they've both been really successful um but i got to a point where i i felt like i couldn't scale it like and tried different things wasn't working i had made it too much about me as the entrepreneur and not not by not on purpose. It's just the way it evolved, right? Especially when you are coaching people, things like that. You become that name, and you can surround yourself with people better than you. But quite most often, people still keep coming to you because you're the one who created the thing, you know, the business. One of the things that Sam mentioned when I first uh, when we first talked about maybe doing business together was the three hours of loyalty. Ah, uh, sorry, longevity loyalty and legacy and by listening to you there it sounds very much that same you know the the loyalty of you know your friendship your connection being able to see how you go through different hard times the longevity aspect of doing something over a period of time and then the legacy you know what kind of legacy you're looking to lead and so we look and, and when i thought about it, i look i actually base relationships or working with people the same and it's, it's, it's around, okay, what is the three hours with the person, but what is the three hours with us together? And, and I can see that with both of you, which I think is, it's really, really powerful. But I know that going into partnership, it lifted the weight off my shoulders. I felt I could take more risks. I felt more confident. It was real. It was a real shift in energy as an entrepreneur. Did you find the same where the kind of you felt the weight of the world shift off your shoulders a little bit and you felt like you could take on bigger things? Yeah, well, look, I think it, it definitely enables you to move faster. When you've you've got two people with the same vision, both extremely capable, both really hungry to to make it work, you can grow a lot faster, you can juggle more balls, um, and you can both leverage each other's skill sets and passions. And so, you know, I think again. I think our partnership is quite rare and I think probably yours and Sam's is as well, which is so freaking phenomenal. And because you've got, you know, two capable, talented people showing up, you can leverage it so much quicker and move so much faster. And that's why, you know, Relentless Education has been able to grow so quickly and we're so confident in how we're going to scale over the next mm. two to three years because of those factors. So I think that in our case, it definitely does take a weight off our shoulders. We, we know that if, you know, if, if Matt is sick, then I'm going to jump in. If I'm sick, then he's going to jump in. And, you know, we don't need to question that or, you know, no, there's no ill will around any of that. We just both do what it takes every single day and we can have open conversations that will move us forward fast because, like Matty said, we've got the same vision, the same compass. So you're working with entrepreneurs. Uh, what did you learn about you know shifting from that space of being an entrepreneur to now training entrepreneurs? What what did you both learn when you started training others that you didn't already know as an entre entrepreneur previously? And maybe I'll start with Matt. I would I would just say that there's a big difference between knowing something yourself and then teaching something to someone else. Mm. It's, it's a huge it's a completely different area of um, understanding because everyone learns things differently, and so. 
you know, I know people that are very, very smart at doing one thing, but they are a horrible teacher of that thing. And so teaching is its own skill set and learning how to understand all the different personality types that people have and how to cater to all the different learning styles, um, understanding that everyone operates at different speeds, um, understanding that people get blocked in different areas. One of the things that we're really passionate about is you turn everything into a system. And so every time we have a student that hits a roadblock, we think, is that unique to them? Or is that something that everyone will experience? And if it is every, something that everyone will experience, how can we add it into our system? So the next person that joins already has an answer to that solution. Awesome. And so I think the biggest thing about education is it's like really seeing that you're building like this organism that's constantly helping your students or your members or your clients, however you see it, get better and better and better. And I think that's the big step for, um, we find for us, we're make, working mainly with with coaches, um, anyone that's got a service-based um, online business. So we do have people in like real estate and education and stuff, but mainly, mainly coaches um, is for them to move away from, I work with one person one-on-one -on -one and I help them with their individual problem to I'm building a system that helps people get results. Yeah. And once I've been doing that for maybe two or five or 10 years, my system is really, really, really good at getting people results. And it has solved so many of the different problems that nearly anyone can come through and um, get a great result with it. So I think that's the, that, that systems way of thinking is probably the biggest step to take in learning how to help people get consistency. One of the things that we've learned, which is um, just crazy, is that um, most people in our niche, because we, uh, we do a lot of competitor analysis and check out what everyone else is up to, most people just don't provide the basics well enough. So- mm. You know, we, we just double down on answering people's questions really, really quickly. You know, like that's just so simple, but you know, we know a lot of our competitors don't do it or, or they give, um, um, what's it called? Kind of like, um, just blanket answers to things. Like, can you review this? Good job. You know, instead of like a detailed, well, this bit was not very good. And let me tell you why. And this bit was really good, but you could do it better and say this. And so like giving people extremely highly detailed feedback and guidance, which is so simple to say it, mm. but that's just an area that we we double down on because people need it so much. Um, I think it's hard to do it because it takes more manpower, um, but it's a, a definitely a way that we've learned to stand out in the industry is just by giving people tons of help. Yeah, what have you learned, Andy? Look, I think it was more of a reminder. What, what I've relearned in regards to what's what's holding people back from from building their business, going from us, you know, running running companies for for so long and forgetting what it was like to start off from ground zero again, is that you know so many people starting businesses, coaches, entrepreneurs, they're just they're really held back by the fear of judgment and the fear of putting themselves out there. You know, they're not taking the action required at the level required because they are really self-conscious and fearful of being judged, being judged on social media, being, you know, the fear of failure. And so I just think from a, from a mindset perspective and an emotional perspective, we've, we've really noticed, I know I have, that we're doing a lot of sort of guiding at the start just around helping them get over themselves, getting over the fear of those elements to then be able to even apply the hierarchy of principles that we provide. You know, me and Matt try to give them all killer, no filler, rather than heaps of high level information. We just go 
in the trenches, step-by-step templates, exactly what you need to do. But even to actually apply those actions, it takes energy, it takes self-belief, it takes, you know, doing it. But if you are fearful and paralyzed by that fear, a lot of entrepreneurs can't even think straight, unfortunately. So, you know, it's been really interesting just rewinding the clock and trying to tap back into, you know, how did I feel when I first started raising capital or first started doing posts or first started doing videos because it was so, so long ago. But, you know, lucky for me, Matt, we're really good at helping people through those challenges quickly. And um, it's beautiful to see people have those breakthroughs. Yeah, great. So you're talking about systems here. So for those who are coaches, et cetera, that are, are looking to upgrade their skills and entrepreneurial, maybe shift from you know, maybe five to ten thousand dollars a month to maybe you know pushing that up to that level of you know six figures um, in the future. How does your program work, and and what sort of process can they go through or system? So what what we do is we have put together a, essentially a step by step framework for people where we take them through the foundational elements to running a business. Um, so part of its mindset in the beginning, which is really important, which Andy's covered. But then we need to tick off all of the other important elements of a business. Like, are you in the right niche? Can you be the leader of that niche? Um, do you have experience in it? Um, are people going to look up to you and say, yeah, you can be the leader there? Um, have you chosen a demographic and an avatar that can actually afford it? Do they want to exchange money with you with a smile? Or are they the type of people that are going to say, give me a discount. It's too expensive. And you know, a lot of people don't get past making decisions on those two things. Mm. Those two things are the biggest roadblocks for most people. So we take people through that. Then we help people build out a core offer that's actually scalable. One thing that we're very, very passionate about is, um, is the business that you're building a lifestyle that you're actually going to love? Yeah. You know, and um, I know you'll probably remember the book, um, Craig, um, uh, the, the E-Myth. And I think it's like the first chapter of that book he talks about how most people start a business, they end up just getting another job they don't like. Mm. And, you know, we want to, we always teach people when you're starting a business, think about the end result. What's your day to look like? What's your week to look like? And how does that evolve around your family and your lifestyle and so on and so on? So your product always has to be something that has scale in it. Um, and so, for example, like Andy and I uh, run this uh, uh, education company, which is just thriving. And it's about three, three days a week for both of us. Um, because Andy runs uh, multiple gyms and I've got two small kids and I'm very, very happy with my workload currently. Um, and then the next thing is, is it's really about marketing and most people aren't very good at this, but you've got to have high value free offers that you can give to people. Um, and so we, we, we don't think there's a one size fits all. We know a lot of our competitors only do Facebook ads or only do challenges and they've drilled down on that. We think it's important to kind of teach people all the different ways that you can generate leads free or, or, or for a small amount of money. And then really it's just about sales. And so that's kind of our, that's our, that's our five pillar system. Our sixth pillar, which is really important is consistent improvement. And so we're very, very passionate about um, you'll never be perfect. So the first iteration of your business that you launch inside your first 12 months probably won't be that good, but in the next year you can make it better. And in the third year, you can make it better. And then the 10th year, you can make it better. And then it's going to be really good. Instead of what a lot of people do is they say, well, I'm never going to be as good as my competitors, so I'm not going to begin. Hmm. And you know, we really believe that that statement that you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. And so our last pillar is like, you go back and you make it better. Makes you think back to 
the early days of this business where literally I, I'm very strategically minded, very analytical, very detailed, uh, teach people a lot about the importance of competitive analysis and strategy, etc. For this business here, we did zero competitive analysis. Wow. On purpose, because we didn't want to, we didn't want to be competing against someone else. We didn't want to be distracted by what other people were doing or, or having to try and go, oh, they're doing that. So how do we manipulate it? We just really wanted to go in with the mindset of what does the client need and how can we produce the, a world-class version of that? And so we, we literally keep our, our, our slate clean all the time. Um, which has been a fascinating approach. And, and to this day, I still don't know who our competitors are. Wow. Or, or what they do. And and so it's been a real different mindset because I know with a lot of entrepreneurs, you really need clarity on that. So it's been a different shift, uh, just a different approach for us that has really, really worked. Um, all right. So in regards to mindset, Andy, you know, you kind of, we've kind of touched along a little bit here that, people in that mindset of, um, I'm never going to be able to achieve that. Look at what they're doing. It's, it's kind of, you know, they see what everyone else is going on and going, wow, that's too, that's too big a jump, too big a leap, you know, to go from where I am to, to way up here. So from a mindset point of view, how can people take, you know, kind of those small steps along the way to be able to adjust so that they can feel confident enough to take on the big boys and big girls of town? Look, I think you need to have a vision for your for your future. You've got to have a vision for your business and, and where you want to take that. But of course, on the on the journey to that end result, there's got to be clear milestones. And you've got to have the perspective, the realistic perspective and understanding of how a business actually grows and the milestones that are achieved along that way. So I'm all about big vision and I need something that really gets my juices flowing that I know it's going to be worth fighting for, sacrificing for, you know, having shit days for all of those things. Get that vision gets me up in the morning. But I also then realize that every day there's got to be certain milestones to achieve. And although there's, you know, there's coaching and education businesses out there doing 50 million, 100 million per year, I always look at those businesses. I go, I love that. I love that they're doing so well because I know if they can do it, we can do it damn straight. But I also, you know, I don't go comparing my chapter one to their chapter 50. Mm. I want to compare my chapter one to their chapter one. I like looking looking into detail around how many years have they been going for? What, what were they achieving in month one to, you know, year one, year two? Having a realistic perspective of that growth and then very quickly, you know, if you, you're in the comparison game, I try to do it from a healthy perspective um, to give me little milestones so I'm accurately benchmarking myself. Um, but the thing that really does just keep motivating me is those little wins on the way to my big vision. So, you know, I think that it's important to have awareness in the marketplace. I think it's really important to benchmark yourself because you have to challenge yourself and um, know when you're getting complacent, if you're getting complacent. I love the competitive nature of business, sports, everything. I'm super competitive. So I like to have people that I'm chasing down and have, uh, have I guess, you know, the, the end, not real enemies, but, you know, people that I'm fighting against and working hard to beat every single day. I, that excites me. But I, I look at it from a healthy angle and a resourceful angle and I just make sure that it's benchmarked accurately so I'm not judging myself negatively. Mm, love that. All right, we all know smart People have great answers, but the most successful people ask great questions. All right, so because we've got two on the show today, uh, let's keep our responses pretty short on these ones. 
Um, and we'll go Matt and then Andy first on these three questions. Uh, when was the last time you did something for the first time? Oh. Um, I would say over the weekends, I went to a, a kind of like a spiritual um, event. I won't go into massive detail, but it's something that I don't normally do. Um, it was kind of like a cabin in the woods kind of thing. It was, you know, like an opportunity to come together and to uh, bond with a group of people. Um, and normally I'm like really judgmental of stuff that I don't understand. So normally I sit back and I go, ah, you know, and I make assumptions and judgments and things like that. But I, I wanted to, you know, one of the things that I'm practicing is to not just judge people because they're different or not judge people because I don't understand them and not, not quickly go to that. Um, I'm inspired to do that more and more now because I think our world politically does it way more than it's ever done it before. It's like, you're on the left, you're on the right, you know? Um, and so that was a thing for me that um, was, it was out of my comfort zone and I learned a lot about some beautiful people that I'd, you know, never met before. So it was a good experience. It worked. Great. Andy? For me, like two weeks ago, I um, started doing Muay Thai. So tried Muay Thai. I mean, I've done a lot of martial arts and I do jiu-jitsu and things like that. But I uh, jumped into another combat sport and, um, yeah, just to be well-rounded and have some fun. So that was the first time I jumped into that. Nice. I love it with a Muay Thai. Uh, oh. Andy, you okay, go first on this one. Um, when was oh, What is the one question that you would love to solve? The one question, the one, the one challenge that I'd love to solve. Uh, oh, great question. I mean, I'd love to be able to solve the, the, the challenge or the question of what is my purpose? If, if I could do that for people like that, that would be, that would be a massive gift. I know it's something that troubles a lot of people that, that weighs a lot of people down. And, uh, that would be amazing if I had a, an ultra hack to that to that question you might need an, uh, more than just one cash register i think for that one yeah. uh, matt so for me um i i started studying relationship probably about uh four years ago started studying um the science of attachment um did some really great courses around that i'm just being blown away by how much we and science backs this just how much we require intimacy and closeness in our relationships for mental and emotional wellness and self-esteem. And I see so many people so separate from each other. So I think, you know, one of the things that breaks my heart is just how many people don't know how much they need each other and how much they need community and how loneliness is such a massive problem, mm -hmm. especially for men uh, and young boys. So yeah, if it, one problem that I, I wish I could solve would be, you know, how do we get people or how do we get education to teach that more? to embody that, to, to really come from a place of like community is the most important thing because mm -hmm. we, you know, in the Western world, we're so separate, you know, we nearly pride ourselves on standing really far away from each other, no matter where we are. Right. <laughs> Get away. You're too close. So that would be my thing that I'd try and solve if I could. Okay. Great. Uh, for you, Matt, what is an inspiring great leader and who is a great example of this for you? Um, so I think a great leader is someone who does everything that they say. I think that they don't lead from a show perspective. Um, 
they are a demonstration of everything that they teach. And I've, you know, I think that I've met a lot of leaders that say they are something that they're not, which I think is unfortunate. Um, or they are like that on stage, if that kind of makes sense. And then behind you go, oh, it's disappointing. It's not really who you're telling us that you need to be. Yeah. Um, and the ultimate, I believe the ultimate example of that is in the Bible. I believe that's Jesus, the ultimate example of a, of a great leader, a great demonstrator of the closest thing you're ever going to get to like a, a perfect human being. Hmm. Andy? Look, I've had a lot of great mentors and a lot of great leaders in my life. And I, I think a, a great leader, an outstanding leader is someone that shows up in the face of adversity and challenge with integrity and faces fear, faces adversity, whether they feel like it or not. They're, they lead with humility. They they lead with certainty, even when they're scared, even when they're fearful. And they challenge others to step up and, and do the same. They challenge others to step up into their greatness, even when they don't want to. And, uh, and you know, for me, one of, one of those leaders was uh, mentor Sam from the US. He's passed away now, but he was one of those great mentors and leaders for me. And, um, and he taught me a lot. Mm, beautiful. Uh, how can people learn more about what you do and what is the best way for people to connect with you? Uh, so Andy, you want to lead off? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can find out more about what me and Maddie do at Relentless Education, www.relentlesseducation.com.au. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. I spend a lot of my time there at Andy underscore I underscore Anderson. Brilliant. And Matt, uh, is there any, are you a TikTok, Snapchatter? uh linkedin where do we find you i'm just kind of like like old school um facebook guy yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I, I can't i can't be bothered <laughs> to be honest <laughs> i've got too much on my plate so you can find me on facebook i am on instagram though uh but best thing to do is just um yeah go to our website relentlesseducation.com.au use a bunch of free things you can get involved in download some stuff get a little bit of support from um how we can help you grow your business brilliant no myspace account <laughs> yeah, that's that's more me. MySpace, the, like showing my um my interest in the Backstreet Boys is my number one album. Uh, it's been an absolute speak uh, pleasure speaking with both of you today. Thanks, Andy and Matt. Uh, I've loved kind of understanding the backstory to both of you and and kind of the the way you saw the world when you were younger and how you transitioned through that and the questions you asked in the world. I, I think that's really important as leaders and entrepreneurs that you you think. Uh, like you, you be curious and you look at the questions that can really inspire change in the world and change for you as well. So you can be able to serve people more effectively. Uh, I like the insights into both mindset and maybe what holds people back. And I love what you're doing there with relentless education and just empowering entrepreneurs, especially those coming in new in that coaching online coaching space to, to really think about it from a system perspective and to be able to put those real basics in place from the beginning and understand who your avatar is, know where your vision is, and you really be able to put in that hard work. And anyone who tells you, you can do a four-hour work, uh, working week. Um, by the way, Tim Ferriss does about 100 hours looking at all the work that he does. Um, so you've got to put the hard work in if you really want to get those big results and achieve those dreams. So thanks to both of you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us, mate. Yeah, thank you, Craig. It's time for you to join the Inspiring Great Leaders movement by visiting craigjohns.com.au. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to hashtag Inspiring Great Leaders. 
We would love it if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the Craig Johns LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Inspiring Great Leaders podcast. Where the ordinary don't belong. <laughs>